So it's the 5th of December, 2017. This is the fifth of these little talks that I'm giving. Uh, this one is going to be about Christmas. It's going to be about Christianity. It's going to be about saying Merry Christmas. And this is for a couple of reasons. The first is that I have a book that I have to finish, and it's due in a few days, which means that I don't think I'm going to be doing any more of these before Christmas. So this is a good time to reflect on all this. And the second is that we seem to be in a conversation in this country about um, whether we can say Merry Christmas. The president seems to be very interested in our being able to say Merry Christmas again. I thought that was worth commenting on, especially because it seems to be part of a larger conversation about whether being a Christian or invoking the name of Jesus or just talking about Christianity is a kind of substitute for actually behaving well. So that's, that's, the, that's the subject I thought I would talk about. So let's talk about the Merry Christmas and can we say Merry Christmas again? So I usually do this completely off the cuff. Today I'm going to confess I do have some notes down here because I may cite scripture and if I cite scripture um, I, want to, I want to get it right. I'll be using King James which I like. Other people like other things. So saying Merry Christmas, let's think about this for a minute. What are we doing when we say Merry Christmas to another person? Is it all about us or is it all about them? Let's start from the very first time there was a Christmas greeting, which is in, um, which is in what is it, Second Matthew and Second Luke uh, with, uh, with the Magi and the shepherds. When the Magi and the shepherds are greeting the baby Jesus, are they thinking about themselves or are they thinking about the baby Jesus? They're obviously thinking about the baby Jesus. They're recognizing someone else. So their greeting is about seeing something as being more important than themselves. That, that to me at least, seems like the obvious reading of those two stories of the birth of Jesus, that people come and they see someone else who's unknown and they recognize him as being some, someone who is important. In other words, the Christmas greeting is about recognizing something else which is outside oneself which is, which is, which is good. Right? So that's how I understand the Christmas greeting, that you're, you're recognizing someone who's not yourself, you're, you're, you're wishing them well. Perhaps if you're a Christian, you're recognizing what's Christian or what's good about, about that other person. But in any event, it's not about you. It's really about the, the other person. And so for this reason, I think if, like, you know, if, if, if you happen to say Merry Christmas to someone who's not Christian, but you're wishing them well, I don't think you're doing anything which is, which is wrong. If you're saying Merry Christmas to someone else because you know they're not Christian and you're trying to trap them in some way, then, then maybe your intentions are, are a little bit different. So what I'm thinking about is a larger issue of saying that you're a Christian, like, if you say Merry Christmas, you're saying you're a Christian. Or, you know, if you're like if you're like um, a candidate for office in Alabama, you just you invoke the name of Jesus or you invoke Christianity, and somehow that means that you're right and everybody else is wrong. Now, I I want to pause on this because this seems like a good moment to ask whether just invoking the name of Jesus or saying you're a Christian is the same thing as being a good person or the same thing even as following the commandments of the Bible. Um, the, the, the Roy Moore thing I find really interesting because you know, Roy Moore's example about how he's such a wonderful Christian is the business about putting giant copies of the Ten Commandments in public places, which I have to say I find a little bit puzzling. So just follow me on a little excursus here. If you actually read the Ten Commandments, one of them is the No Graven Images Commandment. 
And a giant copy of the Ten Commandments is actually a graven image. And if you read Exodus 20, which is the, the chapter of the Bible which has the Ten Commandments, it actually closes with the idea that you shouldn't make altars of hewn stone. So it seems to me that if you actually read the Bible, um, you, you wouldn't be putting huge copies of the Ten Commandments in stone places because in doing so, you're actually violating the Ten Commandments. And I say this not as a joke or even just as a paradox. I say it as a kind of real concern that one can use the Ten Commandments against the Ten Commandments because the Ten Commandments, as God makes very clear in Exodus, are not about big chunks of stone. The Ten Commandments are laws which we're supposed to be trying to live by, hard though that is for, for all of us. And when you use the Ten Commandments against the Ten Commandments, um, you're not fulfilling Christianity. It seems to me, it seems like you're actually working against it. And this seems to me to be a, a larger issue that we're having in politics this, this December not just the Ten Commandments against the Ten Commandments, but I would go further and say Christianity against Christianity. Um, in, in Matthew 6 and then again in, in Luke 30, Jesus is very clear that the people who make a big show about how much they pray or how wonderful they are are damned and that one should be especially careful of such people. And this, of course, always makes my ear prick up when people talk about how they're a wonderful Christian or when if, if they've been caught let's say, gently doing something wrong. Um, their defense is, well, I'm a Christian and my accusers are not. That doesn't seem to me to be a very Christian move. In fact, that particular move saying it's everybody else against us good Christians seems to strike really at the heart of the basic lesson of the New Testament, which is love thy neighbor. So let me just pause a little bit on love thy neighbor because that seems to be very important. If, if Christianity is about us and them, then I think it's not Christianity because the, the central lesson of Christianity, according to Jesus, right? This is not me. This is just Jesus. According to Jesus, the central lesson of Christianity or the highest, the highest law after loving God above thing, all things is to love thy neighbor as thyself. And when Jesus gets this lesson across, he uses this parable, as everybody will know, it's in Matthew, it's in Mark, it's in Luke, of, of the Good Samaritan. And um, the, the way the parable goes is that someone has a, has a problem and the person who helps him is not a member of his own tribe or clan or people. It's a stranger. And the, the point of the parable is that the stranger who shows mercy is the neighbor, right? It's the stranger who's important here. The, the not us, the somebody else is, is important in the parable about how we should love our neighbors. And in this discussion with his disciples, and the thing I love about these parables and these discussions is that Jesus in the New Testament is always talking about the Old Testament. So what he's talking about, or the Hebrew Bible if you prefer, what he's talking about is, is Leviticus. And they're referring to two very important verses in Leviticus, which I'm, which I'm going to read. Um, the, the first, they're both in chapter 19. Um, Jesus is citing, Thou shalt not avenge, nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. And then I think maybe more importantly and maybe more usefully, for us at this particular point in time, as we're thinking about Merry Christmas and what it means to be a Christian, later in Leviticus 19, this is God now speaking. And if a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, ye shall not vex him, but the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and thou shalt love him as thyself. For ye were strangers in the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. Seems clear enough. Now, if we're thinking about the Merry Christmas, which we are because it's December, I, I want to complete 
uh, the citation of, of Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump says, we can say Merry Christmas again. I've already talked about that. But then he continues, he says, we can celebrate Merry Christmas again with a big tax cut. Now, there's a lot of things one could say about that, like that it's, for example, pretty vulgar to talk about money immediately in the context of Christmas. One of the things that I can't resist saying, I'll just drop, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to move away from Christianity here and go back to logic for just a second. One of the things which is really striking about the big tax cut, if you're thinking about this, if you're an American and you don't happen to be wealthy, just notice what Mr. Trump said he was going to do was defend working class Americans from China. What these tax laws are in fact going to do is borrow a lot of money from China, give it to the very wealthy, and expect the American working class to pay it off down the line. And meanwhile, the argument will be made that we can't have basic services or basic infrastructure because we don't have money. And we don't have money because um, the money that we borrowed from the Chinese, we gave to the rich. So a year into the administration, that's where we are. Okay, So that's just a little excursus. But I want to talk more deeply about the big tax cut for, for Christmas. Does it make sense if you're in a Christian logic, if you're thinking about Christmas, to think about taking from the poor and giving to the wealthy as being Christian. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say no. I think, I think Jesus was pretty clear about which way the redistribution was supposed to go, and let's, let's just listen. So Luke 12, 15, take heed, beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth, Luke 16, verse 13, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And then, of course, there's maybe the most famous quotation in the entire New Testament, which is very clear about all of this. It's in Matthew 19, Mark 20, and Luke 19. It is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And then another very famous passage, which I'm sure you know, those of you who are Christians will know, which is Luke 19, verse 22, Jesus recommending how people should behave if they wish to be Christians. Jesus says, sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. So Christianity is in our politics. It's always in our politics. People are talking about Jesus. They're talking about Christianity. They're talking about a Merry Christmas. I suppose in this, which is the last little talk I'm going to give before Christmas and before the New Year starts, I'm just asking that we take these things seriously. If, if, if Christian religion is going to be in politics, it seems that we have a pretty good sign to think that Christianity and politics should not be about boastfulness or exclusion or about wealth, but it should be about humility, it should be about hospitality, and it should be about justice. And so in that spirit, I'm going to say Merry Christmas. Thanks.